Welcome to Campfire Stories, a podcast for sharing stories of Salesforce Trailblazers. And welcome to Campfire Stories. We are so excited to be continuing our BAM series, BA Multiplier. And today we have the one and only brilliant, bold, beautiful Melissa Hildes as our returning co-host. And she is going to be a multiplier with our special guest today. Melissa, thank you so much for coming back to the campfire. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I'm super excited that uh, Marisa Lopez is with us today, all the way from St. Thomas, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Mm-hmm. Then we get to talk with her today, get to know her a little bit better. She and I worked together on the board of directors with Amplify, actually passed like ships in the night a little bit. <laughs> I was just coming on to the board of directors and she was just rotating off but um, did get to spend some time working on the breakfast that we did at Dreamforce two mm. years ago, Marisa, was that what it was? I think so, yeah. That was an exciting time, putting together pinwheels. <laughs> <laughs> wow, was that 2019? Yes. Such a time warp right now, yep. Time is so weird right now, that's for sure. Marisa, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. So let's dig right in. Amplify. Um, I know a little bit about it. I know Mm -hmm. that pinwheel is the the big, bright, colorful pinwheel is their logo. But I don't know that I know as much as I should. Certainly some of our listeners may be interested in more information. So what what is Amplify? Yeah, so it's really a, a big rainbow pinwheel. Sometimes you'll You'll see them on the logo, and we got these really cool pins a while back that people would put on their um, like event lanyards back when we used to have event lanyards. I think they're coming back around. I think events are coming back around. Uh, so uh, Amplify is a nonprofit organization that um, helps to empower underrepresented folks in tech to be fearless leaders. And I was a uh, board president for about four years. It was all, it still is an all volunteer organization and I'm no longer on the board, uh, but Melissa and I, like she said, uh, were both involved and um, I was very involved with the organization for, for many years, uh, had some really amazing programs, still does. And uh, Melissa was referring to our, really our signature event. We had an Amplify breakfast every year at Dreamforce and that uh, got pretty big. I would say in 2019, the event was probably as big as all of Dreamforce itself this year, which is not necessarily saying a lot because there wasn't a lot of folks at Dreamforce this year in 2021, but still could have been the equivalent. Uh, And that event was just really this special place for folks to get together, just be themselves, kind of take off, their Dreamforce sort of persona, if you will, for a few minutes and uh, just relax. And a lot of people would really enjoy it because they could kind of find their people there, right? And just be their authentic selves and uh, just get really inspired. Uh, And one uh, not so secret secret is that you actually didn't have to have a Dreamforce pass to come into the event. So it was our own event. There was a bunch of sponsors that helped pay for it and the food and the venue and so forth. And it was 
during Dreamforce week, but there was a lot of uh, local Salesforce folks that would attend uh, that awesome. weren't didn't necessarily have Dreamforce passes. So that was kind of there another way for people of, to be involved. Yeah, there was also a lot of people that year, and I'm thinking of Gene Moeller especially that had the like the two day Expo pass that was in the area. It was like a day and a half, maybe even like That's so true. they weren't able to get into all of Dreamforce, but they were there and in the area. And so I'm sure something like that. Not having to have that badge to get in was was a welcome change. Very cool. Yeah, because not, not everybody gets that. Um, not everyone's company pays for it, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, it's a big investment. A lot of, and this is this is kind of a theme, right? With the different things I've been involved with, different groups and organizations, is that getting into tech and being involved with tech can be cost prohibitive, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know restricts. <laughs> who can, um, you know, really get access to to Salesforce and these experiences. And there's been a lot of movement to, to make the space more open and accessible, really accessible is the word, uh, mm-hmm. to everybody um, in the last years, which is really fantastic. But that's kind of happened over the course of time. Um, so that was, anyway, that was one of those events that was free and that everybody was welcome regardless of past, no past, cost, no cost. But um it's been really nice to to see uh, more access provided into our space over time. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say that, because I've been in this space for a very long time, sometimes it's easy to forget that it was ever different <laughs> than it is now. But it's really changed a lot. So, so how, when did you get involved in Salesforce, Marisa? I don't even, I mean, I know before I did. So oh, how long have That's a <laughs> Good question. I think it's been about 14 or 15 years. Wow. So whatever that makes it. <laughs> and I, the first two years I was at a nonprofit. So I worked at one of the first 200 uh, nonprofits that to use Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got into consulting. I actually started working for Exponent Partners where I work now. Um, that was my first job in the space, but yeah, it was very, it got involved very early on and it was very different at that time. But that's fantastic that you've got that nonprofit background and now are you working with a lot of nonprofits now or? Oh yeah, I am. And sorry, I'm looking at LinkedIn on the side so I can actually see what year I got involved. (laughs) But, um, I... (laughs) I do. I work uh, really exclusively with nonprofit organizations. So the firm that I currently work for and the other firms I've worked for in this space work exclusively with nonprofits uh, and some some other social impact organizations. But that's my my area of expertise is uh, actually selling uh, Salesforce implementation services. So implementations to nonprofit organizations. Yeah, and I've uh, been doing that says here since 2009. And then, like I said, I was, uh, you know, at a nonprofit for a couple of years before that. That That's used Salesforce. Great. Yeah. And I, it's been, I love you talking, <laughs> talking about selling the um, implementation services and especially to nonprofits because I know there's a lot of discussion in the ecosystem about, you know, should you volunteer at a nonprofit? you know, doing Salesforce things, you know, what kind of investment should nonprofits make in their Salesforce implementations? That's Mm -hmm. always such a, 
an interesting conversation to have because everybody I have met in the nonprofit side of the Salesforce ecosystem, well, the Salesforce ecosystem as a whole is let us help. You know, we want to help you, but mm. sometimes it's better maybe to have that dedicated implementation partner. I'm thinking then trying to piece it all together from pro bono and, you know, which is generally a, a project, a small project, but like mm. 10, 20 hours. Yeah. And sometimes the pro, pro bono services can be more detrimental than, than helpful, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, the, the way I describe it is it's like, if you would want to remodel your house or I don't know, Stacy might relate to this analogy, build a house, for example, uh, Absolutely. In theory, you could go watch YouTube videos and take a class and read a book and start, you know, nailing in two by fours and walls and paint and whatever else you have to do for just a remodel, you know, reinstall sink and, and all these types of things. Like, in theory, we could all do that. But is it the most efficient? Is it going to... um be safe? Is it going to be durable? Is it going to be the quality that you really want for such a big investment? You know, probably not. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I will admittedly say that even after more than a decade of experience doing Salesforce implementations, I had a, a friend approach me and asked me to help their uh, nonprofit mm -hmm. get started on Salesforce. And they have like four users. So very, very small mm -hmm. and very basic use case, but I knew sales cloud, service cloud, Pardot, um, mm. reports and analytics. I knew Salesforce. I did not know the nonprofit uh, success pack. And I didn't know all of the built-in automations that come with it. And it's, it really is a separate tool. There's a whole schema and um, and I didn't understand it enough. And so I got in and got started and, and did my best to help. But, uh, and, and I did, and, and they are up and running <laughs> as much as three, four people can be. But um, it was not as good as it would have been if someone with NPSP experience had come in and assisted. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that's a common misconception, don't you, Marisa, that if you know Salesforce, then you can help nonprofits. And you can, definitely. But because Nonprofit Cloud offers so many other options, I mean, it's like learning. I mean, it's like it's the difference in Sales Cloud and Service Cloud, right? I passed the Sales Cloud certification, no problem. Service Cloud, that's a whole nother can of worms, right? And non and nonprofit clouds the same way. I mean, there are you're right. There are automations. There are things that happen that you don't find anywhere else in Salesforce. Yeah, it it, it goes even a lot deeper than that, right? So nonprofit is a tax status. It's like yes. saying for profit, right? So really, that's still very very broad. Um, and so most firms and individuals that specialize in working for nonprofits actually 
niche down much farther than that because that's still super broad. I mean, that includes human services agencies, that includes environmental groups, that includes disaster relief. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, right? So it, it's really, I think <clears throat> that sa- the Salesforce space, as as we all know, is so vast. And the, you know, the number of organizations and companies and so forth that are using the platform is huge. And not only are the different you know, MPSP, Service Cloud, Marketing Cloud, all these different tools, do you become specialized in the those certain tools, right, and applications, but also it's important to really be an expert in the business processes, right, the needs that the organizations you serve have. And there is somewhat of a ubiquitous need across nonprofit organizations, most, to do fundraising. So that's kind of what we end up hearing about a lot. But also, uh, there's a lot of nonprofits that are using Salesforce to manage their mission and the activities that they do and the services that they're delivering to the world and really, you know, that contribute to their theory of change. And from my perspective, that's where it gets really exciting and interesting. Now, one of the big value propositions of the platform is that you can manage all your fundraising activities as well as your programs all in one one place. And I don't want to get too much into a pitch here, but <laughs> but <laughs> it's that that is what's great about it, right? And so it's it's a really fun tool. And I will say that um, I've worked with. Uh, I did do the math and I have been in the space for about 14 or 15 years. So like I said, that's been working for implementation firms for about 12, 13 years. Um, And so over the course of all of those years, I've talked to hundreds, if not more than a thousand nonprofit organizations. I don't know how many um, and started working with more smaller, more grassroots organizations and have you know, work with big international global organizations and everything in between and in many different verticals within the nonprofit space. And it is such a fun job because what I get to do is talk to people who are making change in the world and try to really understand what they're doing and how they're doing it and how this tool can make their lives better so they can make more change (laughs) and get more done. And that's literally what I do. That's, don't you love that? That's why I get out of bed every morning, even on the worst days. It's like today, maybe I can help a nonprofit increase the impact they're having on whatever their mission is. I mean, that's, you know, because I don't know about you all, but I, there are days I get discouraged. I get frustrated. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's never simple. It's never easy. And then, you know, there are children, you know, most of our children are getting fairly independent now, <laughs> but, but I don't know. I don't know about you all. I know Stacy's son is grown and Marisa, your daughter's almost grown, but my daughter almost. went off to college and she texted me the night, mom, can I have money for a Halloween costume? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What?" laughs> I was so excited. She had a friend, but <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for the end of that sentence. She had a friend who did something. She's like, I'm just glad my daughter has a friend. Like, oh. Lois. 
<laughs> no, she's very, she's not, you know, she's not me. That's what her daddy always says. You know, she's not you. She's very introverted and mm-hmm. very on her own. And y'all know, I mean, y'all know me. That's not who I am. <laughs> right, right. So right. her making yeah. friends at college is an exciting thing for me that she's doing that. But that's what I, I love about Salesforce is all the new Salesforce friends, right? I mean, go to St. Thomas and there's somebody I know in St. Thomas. <laughs> right? That was so cool. Because uh, I didn't know, Marissa, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you existed. That's and, <laughs> and, and MHD's like, I'm sorry, Marisa, I've been saying your name wrong. I'm so sorry. It's Call okay. me out on that. <laughs> I want to say it correctly. Um, so Melissa said, yeah, we'll be in St. Thomas with you in June. And we're going to meet up with Marisa Lopez. And I'm like, who is this person? There's a Salesforce person on St. Thomas. What? And yeah, it was great to get to meet you in person, um, see you a couple times throughout the week, and then again at Dreamforce just last it was, month. It was very convenient. You were staying like 10 minutes from me. <laughs> right? So, well, of course, anything on the island is about 10 minutes, right? Yeah, it's 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 a pretty small island, but it was really fun to see everybody down here. And it is true that I think it's at this point where you probably couldn't go anywhere without somebody from Salesforce being there. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of whether you make the connection or somebody else makes it for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, we don't know everybody. So. No, but you're, it's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah. you're living the whole, you know, Salesforce is pushing the, um, you know, the motto right now of work from anywhere and like That's you're true. living that you're living in paradise and running your business and supporting your clients and yeah. And, going out on the water in the evening or I don't know, whatever it is that you do. <laughs> you know, I love yeah, it. it's, it's really, it's really lucky to be able to um, work from the Virgin islands. Uh, and um, you know, I'm on Eastern time and Atlantic time. So basically on Eastern time, all my clients are on the East coast. And so it works out well, it's easy for me to get tr- to New York from here. And um more than that, it's just nice to be where I want to be and live the life that I want to live outside of work, right? And that's why we work, I think. So besides enjoying what we do, you know, it's also imp- about your personal life and being able to live the life that you want to live. And that's something that I think um, we just need to keep talking about and talking about more because I do think uh, it, in our space, uh, people tend to work a lot. (laughs) And um, there's a lot of overachievers just to be blunt, you know, in in the space and people get really excited and want to solve problems and want to do more and want to do better and want to engage with folks. And um, it's important to, to remember that it's great to have a good quality of work and be really happy with your work life. But this should also be, you know, what is sort of feeding our personal lives. Right. Right. And, um, I think that there's enough opportunity in this space that uh, you can achieve the the personal life that you want to live mm-hmm. within yeah. this career. And I think it's important to know it's not a, uh, you know, I, I'm against the phrase work-life balance because that builds the assumption that work and life are two separate things. And I don't think that they are, or they don't think they need to be. Like work is an aspect of your life, but it's not all of it, certainly. So there are two 
do need to be boundaries. Um, but it also blends like taking the time this evening to sit and do this podcast. Is this work? Is this personal? Is it maybe a little of both? You know, like I do this because I enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. It is fulfilling and gratifying for me. And, and yet there is an aspect of work. Sometimes I do talk technical things, right? So, you know, but it's, it's all about just like that balance of life mm-hmm. and understanding that what means balance one day or week or season, is it going to mean balance the next season, right? There are times when due to just the stressful nature of life, you need more mindfulness time. You need more peaceful, intentional, peaceful time. And there's other seasons where you can go a little bit harder and do that, you know, quote unquote hustle to, you know, push yourself to the next certification or start your own business or whatever you need to do. And and so, you know, I think we get so wrapped up in, oh, I got to have this definition of work-life balance and, it's just about life balance. Really. And I, I don't know, I really, for me, my, my terminology is work-life integration. <laughs> of course, we do a lot of integrations, right? But to be able to know that, that it, to me, work-life balance, I guess, is too structured. And some people do better with a more structured environment. Work-life integration has a little bit more flexibility and flow, I think. So, you know, it, if I'm, if I'm a night person and I really do my best work at this time of night and I'm dealing with customers in Australia, then you know, there's no reason for me to be on a call at nine o'clock in the morning with anybody, you know, stay up tonight, do what needs to be done and sleep in in the morning. You know, I mean, that's, and yes, I, I know I'm one of the, I want to do everything. I don't know if it's because I'm an overachiever. It's just probably more FOMO than anything. I want to be involved in everything and I want to join everything and I want to hang out with everybody. And sometimes I get way overloaded, but I do mm-hmm. that to myself. And that that's less about work-life balance and more about prioritizing, right? You know, what's got to be the focus yeah, right Bruce. now. I'm, I'm finishing my MBA, you know, so th- and this is the last class. I've got a 4.0. All I have to do is finish this one last class. There's a lot of pressure to... <laughs> finish with a 4.0 um so yeah and then when your family and kids come into it and they have to i don't know quantity time i know is important but quality time comes out of being there when they need you to be there which is one of the things i love about the way i think the three of us probably work and being able to be where we need to be when we need to be for the most part yeah I think it's uh, fluid, like you described, right? So it changes in the 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 balance, quote unquote. I I agree. I don't really like that term because it seems like too much pressure <laughs> to keep everything right in balance. Because I I rarely find that life is ever in balance. I feel like it's always kind of in motion and it's teetering back and forth. And you're right. Sometimes <clears throat> you gotta prioritize. You gotta change your priorities all the time. Right. And it's like your main focus is the same, but one day, one thing might be true, one month, one season, whatever, you know, and that fluctuates and life is not meant to be the same and stagnant all the time. It's very far from that, from my personal experience. Um, So, and, you know, a lot of us, I mean, really all of us have dealt with a lot of unexpected change in the last two years. Right. And so suddenly um, 
it's the norm to just kind of have to be a little bit more reactive and flow with things a little bit more and to take it back to Salesforce. I, I think it's a great career for that because there's just so many different models within, you know, that you can work within this broader career. And I think it's important to know, like, if if one thing is not working or one role or one position, one company even is not, you know, there's there's other options. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the situation that you're in. It just might mean that something in your life changed and you need to adjust. And that's okay. <laughs> right? So I think, I think people need Absolutely. to know that. Yeah. And that's, I think besides having this opportunity to engage with a lot of nonprofit organizations who, yes, I guess we're helping them, but to be honest, I'm learning more from them than I think they may be learning from us. So, you know, it's kind of my pleasure there. Um, but the other thing that I think is great about this space is just that there's opportunities to bring folks into it. There's opportunities to help mentor and um, teach and uh, train and have relationships with the other people in this space, or like I said, bringing others in. And I think that is part of the huge opportunity is just what people can do for themselves and their families and their lives. Like I said, um, that's a big deal, right? So Marisa, are you, and I'm curious, I know because since, since you're not the president of Amplify anymore, don't not. have those responsibilities. <laughs> What am um, I doing with myself? Sort <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I know how important those mm-hmm. underrepresented voices are to you personally, and so I'm yeah. sure that you're still doing something that. Yeah, that that hasn't become less important to me. So one of the things, and one of the reasons that it it felt like time to kind of not be in that responsibility, that role anymore is that uh, my daughter is uh, going to college next year and this is her last year at home. So I wanted to spend more time with her and also just be part of that transition. Um, And then, yes, of course, I'm doing other things. So uh, I've become more involved with HBCU Force, uh, which is a really fantastic organization that uh, works, partners with his historically black colleges and universities um, yes. to provide early access to cloud computing uh, opportunities. So I've uh, been involved with them, part of the leadership team there. Uh, we actually just did UVI, University of the Virgin Islands, are, is down here. Public school is an HBCU and really serves a lot of uh, young adults in the Virgin Islands who don't necessarily have the means to go off to college in the States. So it serves a really important role. Uh, And anyway, I could talk a lot about uh, UVI, but we actually, uh, with HBCU Force, we did a career panel there for their uh, computer science class last week. And it was just super fun. It it was remote, but it was super fun to talk to students and hear what their questions are and hear, hear what they do and don't know about tech careers and what they think they are and um, just, you know, answer questions and like talk about opportunities to go into this space specifically. So been doing some work with them. Um, And then I'm also on, uh, we have this partner advisory equality board 
that folks who are uh, work at firms that are partners with Salesforce.org can participate in, and I'm chairing that committee. Um, so doing a couple of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Always That's doing right. something. I knew, I, knew, I knew you traded one thing or another that it wasn't really. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably be doing more work with HBCU Force. I, I really think that um, I'm hoping we could do a, a Salesforce course with uh, University of Virgin Islands down here. Um, you know, I just to elaborate a little bit, the, the young people of the Virgin Islands have really had a lot of struggles in the last few years, even before COVID. Um, <clears throat> in 2017, uh, uh, Irma and Maria, the two hurricanes um, that most people know hit Puerto Rico, also hit St. Thomas pretty hard. Um, there was no electricity here for four months. A lot of people left the island. Uh, it's taken, it took a while to get the infrastructure back in place, and there's still a lot of folks who struggled there. So if you can imagine, students were out of school for quite a long time. And, and so the students that are coming, you know, are in high school now um, and recently graduated from high school um, have had a lot of gaps in their education. And that's where um, University of Virgin Islands can help sort of serve some of those individuals. And um, I'd love to see more programs down here um, because there's a lot of fantastic people in the Virgin Islands. And uh, it is a U.S. territory, which is kind of a unknown gray area. The other territories are just this kind of weird status. And I'd love to see some of the opportunities that we've experienced be made available to the community down here. I think that's great. And H H HBCU, I don't want to say it wrong for so you said it right. Um, that's is that Tiffany Spencer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm, in fact I'm hoping I get to see and talk to her at um, Florida Dreaming this week. I'm sure you will. I want to hear more about that and the people that are involved, the caliber of people that are involved there is always I don't know. I don't think people understand that sometimes, but that's really what I look at in an organization is who is making that a priority for their time. And so Marisa, if you are, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then people like Brian Owens and I'm thinking, okay, this is something I need to know more about because quality folks like that are invested in it. Then I need to be too. I would be happy to talk to you more about it. I love it. At another that's time. Great. Yeah. Thanks for, I feel honored to be in the the quality folks category. Of course you are. Of course you are. It feels like a great, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not here to tell you how to invest your time, but it feels like a great like, conglomeration of your passion for helping underrepresented people get into a career in STEM, but then you're also specifically helping your own community at the same time. And so that, that feels like a great blend of, you know, personal, wait, a great integration of personal and professional uh, interests. <laughs> but you didn't grow up in the Virgin Islands, right, Marisa? You're not no, I'm, I'm from California. I'm from the Bay Area. So yeah, I, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area before tech took over there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it, was, it before Silicon Valley? Yeah, it was a different place. <laughs> I remember before Silicon Valley, but I, I didn't live there. I wasn't there. And that was... And then place is so important, right? I mean, where you are, and because you don't get to make those choices, right? So, you know, you're born wherever you're born, 
you know, we have folks, I live in Northern Alabama. My husband taught for 28 years here. He had students who had never left this county, never gone across mm. the river to the next county. Wow. You know, and there's no public transportation. It's not like in the Northeast where you can hop on a train and go anywhere. So you were limited to what you learned in high school or we have a community college, but it's across the river and there's no way to get there if you don't have a car. Mm. So it just really brings home, you know, the privilege, even just being, I mean, being born in California, Marisa, you know, that, I don't know if you think that's a privilege or not, but. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was an interesting place to grow up. Um, and I'm glad that I did and always go back to it. It's always home, right. And most of my family and Certainly a lot of my work friends, I actually worked remotely out of San Francisco for most of my career. And the, the I mean, the firm I work for now, Exponent Partners is, we're all remote now, but um, it's really, our CEO is in San Francisco. So I would say that's kind of our center of gravity. Um, but, uh, you know, that's another just privilege of being in tech is that I get to travel a lot for work. I've traveled a lot. In fact, in that, the last 12 to 15 years. And in fact, I have to say it was, it was one silver lining of the pandemic was not to be traveling all the time because although I really liked that and I enjoyed it, it really was a very healthy break for me. I think physically, mentally, emotionally, um, to be home all the time. I didn't actually know what that felt like anymore. And it's very different. It's very different to make dinner every night in my own kitchen. That was just not something that I did for a long time. And so um, that that was nice, but it's been, it's also been a privilege. It's been a lot of fun to travel through work and spend a lot of time in New York and a lot of time in DC and um, not so much internationally through this career, but it's been great. And you get to meet people from all over, like mm -hmm. talking about right here. But, but internationally, and that's something the pandemic has brought. I mean, I, I've gotten to travel internationally, and I know I'm way privileged. But um, but getting to meet people internationally, and I know, Stacy, you're on the planning committee, what, with Southeast Dreaming and Witness and Success? Witness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, Akash Mishra and I founded Nonprofit Dreaming, and yeah. it was all virtual in January, and it was great. We had like 1,300 attendees. Are you doing that again? Well, and yes, <laughs> we are. And the challenge is, do we do it virtually, oh. right? Because so many people from so many places, to me personally, dreaming events are in person. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, webinars can be virtual, you know, gatherings can be virtual, whatever, but dreaming events are in person. And so you talk about hybridization, right? And that, I don't know, that seems to be the hot topic of the, the week, I guess, <laughs> you know, how do you do that and do that successfully? And I mean, like Florida dreaming is not, nothing is being streamed, right? However, Tahoe dreaming, I think is streaming the keynote. Um, Cactus force is doing two days of in-person in January. One day is also virtual. You know, it's, I don't well, know yet how that's going to pan you out. You saw how difficult it was to be part of a planning committee, right? And when you add the layer of in-person logistics with virtual logistics, I mean, you're, mm. 
you're basically planning two conferences at the same time. Um, and I, I started my Salesforce community experience career. Well, okay, let me say that in real words. Um, I started my assisting being involved in the Salesforce community uh, when Cheryl Feldman was leading the um, financial services user group, which was headquartered in New York City. And she was looking for um, a person to help facilitate the online portion. So this was like 2013 timeframe, and they must have been one of the first to do the hybrid. Now, the user group was not a small group. You're looking at, uh, you know, probably total online and in person, a couple hundred people, but nowhere near the numbers that you got at Nonprofit Dreaming. But there was a dedicated person or group of people for the in-person is you got to get your room. You got to get the setup. You got, you know, all the like snacks, the janitorial services, like, you know, there's all the different pieces, um, security access, all that. But then you've got to have many of those same aspects for online. And how do you weed out the, um, the people that are going to just, you know, take over the feed and post, you know, spam and, and, you know, junk and how do you make it interactive? And so that for, especially now more than ever, I believe you've got so many people that have that like zoom fatigue. And so it's not just a matter of, we want people to show up, but we want them to be able to interact and find it beneficial. And how do the people online interact with people in person and vice versa. And so, yeah, I mean, you're basically talking about two complete conferences simultaneously, and then almost a piece of a third because you have to have that way to weave them together. It's, it's a huge undertaking. And, uh, you know, kudos to anyone that figures out steps towards how to do it because it's not as easy as just, well, we'll stream this one thing. There's more to it, <laughs> you know, a lot. Wow. And yet it was so successful in the virtual format. And it, it's a, that's the difficult decision to make, right? So... <laughs> And we really, we've had conversation, but, but that's the reason you haven't heard anything, you know, why we haven't put out a date yet, because we're really very strategically and conscientiously looking at the best way to move forward. I mean, to me, I feel like last year was really easy. There were no expectations. I mean, nobody had ever done, you know, just a straight up vertical conference that had no regional attachment, nothing except maybe witness success. And that wasn't mm. virtual. That was always in person. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, then, you know, and yet you blew it out of the park. <laughs> At least by the you really did. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. We, um, we felt like it was very successful. So that almost makes it more difficult mm. to try and figure out, you know, the bar is high. <laughs> the bar is really high. <laughs> So yeah. you have to lose that interaction internationally, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, if, it, if it had not been for the pandemic, I probably would have never met Akash, you know, who wound up being the co-founder with me on this. And um, that literally, because we started having those weekly nonprofit, you know, get togethers, that's how I met him. So um, we'll see. But I, I mean, Southeast Dreaming's playing on just being in person, right, Stacy? Is that? That's correct. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Witness Success is just in person. Yeah. Now, Witness has had several virtual little meetup sessions throughout the past year and a half. Um, I don't think it's even been quarterly, but there have been a few, uh, you know, 
little sessions that we've done networking coffees. There was a couple of, we brought in some, uh, you know, industry thought leaders to speak and share. And, and so they've done a little bit of that virtual aspect. We're just starting to have our regular coordinating coordination meetings. Um, so, you know what, we can talk to Paula V in, uh, oh my goodness, Marisa, I almost just said St. Thomas, uh, in Orlando here in a couple of days. There you go. Like, yeah. You Cause you want right? to come you want to come back to St. Thomas. I, I I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I did some research and I didn't really found like a conference center here. So I think the only way to actually do an event here would be have like an unconference, right? There's <laughs> plenty of beach space we can meet. I thought about St. Thomas and I thought about um, San Juan in Puerto Rico. Well, that would be a good idea. Yeah, but obviously tourism is a huge um, industry, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's any way we can contribute to the local industry, that's good. San Juan's a fantastic place for a conference. I've been to a conference there. Yeah, it's a, it's a much bigger island. <laughs> Not to, to downplay St. Thomas, this is a really beautiful space. Um, and it's a good place for maybe smaller sort of gatherings. Yeah, San Juan is really fantastic, so... Yeah. We'll gather in San Juan and then have breakout <laughs> sessions to all the surrounding. <laughs> we just need a flotilla. <laughs> breakout. Exactly. Exactly. What's the um? What's that country song? The Redneck Yacht Club, with everybody just has like their pontoon boats all tied I don't together. Know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's an old song. Um, so I've got it, but it, you know, it talks about like yeah. Um, exactly that like we'll just tie all of our little houseboats and pontoons together and just have our own little it's, you know it's the redneck perfect. version of a yacht club that's what they say <laughs> totally perfect sounds great so what have you got planned next marisa what are you doing besides i mean i guess so hbcu mm -hmm. is your big yeah, so I'm I'm helping uh, HBCU Force with some fundraising, and uh, would like to. We just got our first official sponsor. I can't announce them yet, but that announcement is coming out soon. And I'm definitely we're looking for other sponsors, so I'd really like to help them. A lot of folks seem very excited about the the work that the nonprofit is doing, but um, we'd like to get some backing to be able to expand programs and build it out. Um, on the, the non-Salesforce side, I'm working on some environmental projects down here. I'm on the board of Cleanup VI. We do beach cleanups, super fun. Uh, and then um, we're bringing a big seawalls, uh, these uh, muralists that uh, do ocean conservation murals all over the world, bringing them down here in April to do an activation. So that should be really wow really fun and incredible. And I've also got fundraising to do there. So I keep volunteering for fundraising roles. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's my, my daughter's kind of last year at home. So I'm um, spending time with her. And I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, that's a really important piece of what's happening in my life right now. So I'm glad to be able to have this experience here in St. Thomas together. Uh, yeah. And um, totally. Hmm? enjoy it. 
I just enjoy it while you can. I just left mine, oh. my child behind, and you know, we're not living together. It's I it's a whole different world. I wonder if he stayed in North Carolina, sure. Stacy. Yes, he did. Uh, he really, really considered it. He's torn. His dad and I both live oh. in Kentucky now, but North sure. Carolina has been his home for you know a decade and a half, and so it's. He has spent more of his life in North Carolina than he ever spent, you know, before he got there. So, um, so that's his home. Yep. So he's got his apartment and he's wow. set up and he's doing good. Um, interesting enough, we actually text more now. I know it's been <laughs> like not even a week, but <laughs> but he's been more communicative since we left than he had been the past several years. Yeah, yeah. well, I guess um, often. Yeah, so it's different you know, young people move out somewhere else from their families. But I guess in your case, mm-hmm. you left your son and you moved out of the state. So there you go. Right. <laughs> it's going to be equivalent of, you know, kicking the bird out of the nest. Yeah. Like, you go. <laughs> Actually, that's funny, Stacey, because that was our plan, you know. So my husband retired in May from teaching after 28 years. And so I'm like, okay, great. And Sarah Caitlin's at college, so we can live where we want to live, right? And Sarah Caitlin's like, y'all can't leave? <laughs> I'm like, what? You're at university. Why do we have to stay here? She's like, uh, 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 you know, I thought, no, that's. <laughs> There's a lot of our neighborhood still available. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to come in. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, Marisa, um, it sounds like you're up to a lot of really good things, yeah. a lot of fun things too. And so if somebody who is listening wants to get involved with um, the uh, the initiatives that you're working with, what is the, I mean, is there room for volunteers with HBCU? Yeah. Um, I think with HBCU Force, we are looking for sponsors, like I said. So I'd love to talk to uh, companies in our space and folks who are at companies in the Salesforce space about the great work that we're doing. Um, We are, like I said, training students on using Salesforce. So one of the benefits of sponsoring is you can uh, get uh, in front of a a bunch of young, ambitious, uh, smart individuals who might want to get a position at your company. Uh, So there's some really, it's a two-way really partnership there. So I'd love to talk to folks about that. Um, I love talking about the Caribbean. So if anyone wants to talk about that, uh, feel free to reach out. And um, also like to talk to folks about getting into sales because I think it's a really great career. So the best way to reach me is really at my, just use Twitter tech for good gal. So it's T-E-C-H number four, good gal is a really good way to get a hold of me or find me on LinkedIn. I'm a very, very active on LinkedIn. Um, and um, yeah, I'm always open to having a conversation. I love it. I love it. And you'll post pictures of these beautiful yeah. murals that get painted. So um, that in itself is reason to follow <laughs> just to be able to see pictures of the Caribbean, make us all jealous, <laughs> wish we were there. Uh, and I like the two-way partnership that you mentioned for the HBCU force that anyone that has tried to hire Salesforce talent recently knows that there is a deficit of people. And so anything that you can do mm-hmm. to get your company 
um, you know, a little more out there and in front, be the first runner uh, in front of candidates. That's definitely a win um, for the company. And then certainly giving a good career to someone who is hungry and and going places. That's a, a win for them as well. So love that. Um, that sounds great. So thank you so much, Marisa, for joining us, for putting up with me saying your name incorrectly for more than half of the episode. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I promise I'll never do it again, but I can't make that promise. I will certainly attempt to never do it again. And, um, and Melissa, it's always so good to hear your smiling voice on Thank the you. podcast. And so I really appreciate getting to see you. I'm so excited to get to see you here in a couple of days yes. at Florida Dreamin'. And to all, oh, yay! And then to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us at the virtual campfire. Please reach out to you, Marisa, if you're interested in getting connected with any of these wonderful organizations that she's a part of. And we will see you back here next time at the virtual campfire. <laughs>